I would encourage you to turn in your Bibles to the passage that Pastor Dave read a few moments ago from Paul's letter to the Christians at Philippi, Philippians chapter 3. The wider context that Dave read was verses 1 through 14. But this morning I want to focus on two verses, verses 13 and 14. As we think about this on the last day of 2008 and the new year stretching out before us in a message, the perfect time to forget. Paul writes, verse 13, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It seems to me that very early in life, we are taught the importance of remembering. If your childhood was anything like mine, then you probably had parents who taught you to remember your manners. Remember to say please and thank you. It is the civil and polite thing to do. And of course, by the time we had reached elementary age and went to primary school, we began to, to learn facts and figures. And in mathematics, somewhere along the third or the fourth grade, we began to uh, learn our times tables. Do you remember the challenge that that presented to you as a child? Learning how to multiply 2 times 2 is 4, 2 times 3 is 6, 2 times 4 is 8, 2 times 5 is 10, etc., etc. I can remember as a child sweating at night, in the middle of the night, wondering if I would fail to remember those important um, multiplication facts. In English, we were taught the rules of the road. Remember, I before E except after, ah, so some of you went through the same kind of training as I. You could say that, that our progression in life and our success in many things in this earthly journey is largely tied to our ability to remember. In fact, if you do a quick scan of the Bible you'll discover that there are many places that the Bible calls us to remember and deals with the importance of remembering. For example, if you were to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8, you need not do that right now, but you could make a note of it and read it later, you'll, you'll see how remembering the Lord, remembering His works, and remembering His faithfulness and goodness, that remembering these important things will lead you to a life of blessing. But if you forget these things, then it will lead to possible discipline and correction, some of it by the Lord's own hand. In one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 103, the psalmist enjoins us to bless the Lord with all of our soul, to bless His holy name. And as that psalm unfolds, the psalmist tells us, do not forget all of His benefits. Who heals thy diseases? Who redeems thee from the pit? 
Do not forget the Lord. And so the Bible is full of instruction to remember and not forget. So doesn't it seem a bit strange then today that the focus of our attention is on a need to forget? Even though the Bible calls us to remember, there is this instant in Paul's letter to the Philippians where we are exhorted by the great apostle to not remember, but instead we are to forget. Forget, says Paul in his words and exhortation to his brothers and sisters in Philippi. When he says, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There are two simple things I want you to see this morning. This is not a complicated message. Two simple things I want you to see. The first is what it is that Paul wants us to obtain. What is our goal in the spiritual life? I think it's important uh, on this last day of 2008 to, to rehearse this a bit, because I think that sometimes we forget what is the goal of the Christian life. Uh, sometimes in contemporary ministry, we have muddied things up so much that the real goal of the spiritual life has been overshadowed or forgotten. I don't know what you would say is the goal of the spiritual life in this pilgrim journey, but I would say it is this. that The goal of our life as a Christ follower, as a disciple of Jesus, that our goal should be to become more like Jesus. To become Christ-like. That's our goal, and, and that's exactly what Paul will tell us this morning. But the second thing I want you to see this morning is not only the goal of becoming more like Jesus, but probably the, the harder part of this, well, how in the world, if that's your goal, to become more like Jesus, how in the world do you get there? How do you become more Christ-like? So Paul says, in verse 8, he says, In this process of becoming more like Christ, I have learned that I must consider everything apart from Christ, everything compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul says, I have lost all those things. I consider them as rubbish, garbage. In fact, if you're using the King James Version, it translates it dung. That's the word that the translators used in the King James Version, dung. And probably is a better rendering of the original Greek word that Paul used here. The Greek word was the word skubalon, which literally can be translated manure. So what Paul is saying is that that in this journey of life, once I've come to faith in Christ, I've reached a point where I consider everything compared to knowing the fullness of Christ in my life and becoming more Christ-like, I consider it to be absolute rubbish, dung, a pile of manure. 
And he says that he's learned that he needs to lay aside some rubbish in his life if he's going to move forward. It occurs to me that there might be some value in this laying aside of rubbish for some of us. That for some of us in this room, we are weighed down by a lot of baggage. Some of us are carrying emotional baggage. Some of us are carrying spiritual baggage. Some relational baggage. Paul understands that in order to move forward in reaching this goal of becoming more Christ-like, that it is absolutely necessary to lay aside and to forget some things. And in no way is he willing to fall back on his own accomplishments. In verses 4 through 6, Paul lists his credentials as a Jew. He says, if anyone thinks he has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Look at my pedigree, Paul says. I was circumcised like any good Jew should be. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was a part of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I was meticulous. I was a Pharisee. As far as my zeal, you can't question my zeal. For my religion, I was persecuting the church. And as far as my righteousness, I was absolutely faultless. Those credentials that Paul lists there in verses 4 through 6 were all in the gain column. They were to Paul's credit, at least in his social circle. But Paul says, I count all of those things that I once thought made me proud as a religious man. I count all of those things as rubbish, as dung, as manure, compared to the goal of knowing Christ more. Do you feel that way this morning? Is there that kind of of energy and drive and intentionality in your life? Do you really want to know Christ more in 2009? Know Christ. Become more Christ-like. That's the goal of the Christian life. And it's the first point of this message, which leads to our second point. How do we reach the goal? How in 2009 can you and I become more Christ-like? How do we obtain Christ-likeness? Well, it seems to me that one of the things that Paul recommends that if we are serious about growth in Christ, that one of the steps that we need to take is to forget the past. If we want to be focused on our growth in Christ-likeness, we must forget the past. Now, obviously, Paul is not telling us to literally not remember anything. Certainly, there are some things that we we, we should remember. We should remember who we were before Christ found us and saved us. Do you remember what your life was like before Christ saved you by His grace? Do you remember how messed up and confused and meaningless and without purpose your life was before Christ in His gracious ways entered into your heart and life and you trusted Him as your forgiver and leader? 
Paul would encourage us to remember what life was like before Christ found us. Of course. Of course we should remember how God has been faithful to us and how He's demonstrated that faithfulness and His good providence in our lives over and over. Don't forget it. Remember all of His benefits as the psalmist enjoins us. But Paul is is telling us, though, that if we're going to, to grow in Christ, there are some things that we should forget. There are some things that we should put behind us and no longer remember. What Paul is telling us here is that if you want to go forward with Christ, you can't live in the past. So let's consider for just a moment what happens when you live in the past. Two dimensions of that. Two reasons that we need to forget the past. The first is this, that many of us some in this room, have a tendency to fixate, to obsess over the past. In other words, some of us will hold on to some bad experience or circumstance, and that pain, that circumstance, will weigh us down and become an anchor that will hold us back in our growth with Christ. I, I meet people all the time for whom this is a problem. They remember how in the past someone hurt them, inflicted emotional pain on them. Someone did them wrong. And it has caused within them a certain resentment and bitterness. And I see in their life that they're not able to move forward in a joyful, faithful, vital way with Christ because that old past, that old hurt, They continue to nurse that wound. And it causes them to be held back in their walk with God. Some of us live with past regret. We regret some of the past choices and decisions that we make. We rehearse our failures and our sin over and over and over again. I meet people all the time who are constantly rehearsing the bad decisions of past days. And they constantly punish themselves for what they did in the past. And I've discovered that people who do this literally cripple themselves in being able to move forward with God because they keep punishing themselves. For some, it's easier to accept God's forgiveness than it is to forgive themselves. And if that applies to you this morning, my encouragement, as with Paul, would be, forget the past. Your past and your sin has been buried, the psalmist says, has been buried in a sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. Is that good news? It has been removed from us as far as the east is from the west. So why do you have to keep bringing it up all the time? Why do you have to rehearse the past? Forget it. Move on. Yes, made some bad choices. But disengage from that. And move on and move forward with Christ. There are some who who can't disengage from their hurts. They can't allow themselves to forgive. And so there's a, a bubbling cauldron of resentment in their soul. 
You can see it in their countenance. You can, you can hear it in their words. They're constantly going back to how that individual inflicted pain on me. And they can't let go of it. The Word of God, Paul says, if you want to move forward with Christ, forget it! Move on! Move forward! Forget the wrong and press on toward the goal. But not only is there a danger of fixating on past failures, past hurts, all of these things that are negative, I think there's another dimension that that requires us to forget, and that is applying to some other people who may be seated here this morning. We need to release our minds and our hearts from some of our past accomplishments. seems to me that one of the greatest barriers to enjoying all that Christ has for us today, in the present, is our stubborn unwillingness to release things that happened yesterday. We miss today because we live in the past. For some people, this is a deadly spiritual trap. They live on their past triumphs. They're resting on their past laurels. At some point in their childhood, they made a decision for Christ. And they're living off the fuel, which is now only fumes because so many years have passed. They're living off the fuel of that spiritual mountaintop experience when they made a bold stand for Christ. But for many of those same people, those spiritual milestones living off the past, they have become dead tombstones for them. And individuals have been stunted in their growth. They haven't grown past that point. They've stopped all forward progress. And and they constantly, you know them, you've met them. They're constantly looking at the good old days. Remember when? Remember when the glory of God used to fall? Well, the glory of God wants to fall now. But you're so, you're so uh, entrenched in the past you're so so wrapped up in, in past accomplishments and past experiences that you're missing what God wants to do in your life today. So in order for you to move forward, you must not remember, but you must forget. If you remember your Old Testament history at all, then you know that the Israelites were prone to looking backwards rather than looking forward. Remember how God had promised them a promised land, a land that was flowing with milk and honey. And He said, I'm going to lead you to this land and I'm going to provide for you on this journey as you get to the promised land. And He provided them shade by day and light by night. They had water to drink and they had all the manna that they wanted to eat. But it wasn't enough for them. It wasn't sufficient. And so what happened? They began to grumble. Instead of looking forward to the land that God had promised them, that God was going to give them, the Israelites began to look back and they longed for their days and their life in Egypt. Do you remember their complaint to Moses and to God? In Numbers 11, chapter 11, verses 5 and 6, they said, We remember the fish we ate at no cost. We remember the wonderful vegetables, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now we've lost our appetite. 
Because all we have now is this manna. You see, what was the Israelites' problem? They were looking backward. They were what I call leek and garlic Christians. Constantly looking to the past. And my friend, I would say to you that if your entire testimony of faith is entirely taken up with what God did for you 30 or 40 years ago, you are missing it. If you're constantly talking about the good old days when God's blessing on your life seemed overpowering and great, then you are guilty of looking back and you're not looking forward. And you can't look back and forward at the same time. So never mind what your prayer habits were like three years ago. What are your prayer habits like now? Never mind what your Bible reading habits were ten years ago. What are your Bible reading habits in the present? Never mind how you excelled in Sunday school as a youth. How are you doing as a student of God's Word now? Never mind what your commitment to ministry was last year. What is your commitment to ministry going to be in the coming year? And most important of all, not how was your relationship with Christ, but how is your relationship with Jesus Christ today? Are you in that process of becoming more like Jesus? And if not, why not? Are there things that are weighing you down? Is there rubbish that needs to be put away, cleaned out in your life? I can, I love Christmas. I absolutely love Christmas. But I can hardly wait for some order to come back into our home. For the gifts to be put away, the wrapping paper that has been stuffed under the bed in the guest room, for all the extra decorations and everything to be put away and some normalcy reestablished in our household. I love you kids, but I'm glad you're going back. And that made me totally lose my point. Where are you? As you look forward to 2009, are you farther along in your spiritual progress today than you were a year ago? Or are you still stuck? Is there stuff that needs to be cleaned out? For some of you, there are some habits that need to be put away. For some of you, you need to take stock of your, of your, your spiritual vitality. Some of you are next to being dead and you need to do some cleaning out. Some of you need to forget past hurts. Some of you need to forget past accomplishments, the good things of the past, to be able to reach out for the better things that God has in store for you. Paul determined that he would not rest on past accomplishments. In fact, he considered it all rubbish compared to knowing the fullness of Christ. And so at the end of the day, it is not your past effort, but it is your present effort. 
not your past accomplishments, but your present ones that will cause you to succeed in pressing forward, in moving towards this goal of Christ's likeness. What will it take for you to forget what lies behind you and to press forward? For Paul, it was the contemplation of the goal of the prize that was waiting in heaven for him. He was running the race. He was going to finish that race even if if he kind of gasped over the finish line. He was determined to finish well. Paul desperately wanted to obtain an increasing measure of Christ-likeness. He wanted to be more like Jesus today than he was yesterday. And the next day he wanted to be more like Jesus than he was today. Is that your goal? Are you pressing on or are you satisfied with where you've been and you're just kind of sitting back, not concerned about the future? I'm so grateful that I'm not the man I used to be. But I'm also grateful that I'm not the man that I'm going to be as I press forward. If you want to achieve greatness, my dear friend, in the kingdom of God, you must not look back, either at your successes or your failures, because this will only slow you or stop you dead in your tracks. It will keep you from winning or achieving any victories in your Christian walk. The journey is not yet done. The race is not over. There is work to be done in your spiritual lives. The current state of your relationship with Jesus Christ needs to be growing and vital. And it's not too late. Today is the last Sunday in 2008. In three days, a whole new year will stretch out before us. So let's together, as individuals and as a church, what would happen, even though we have great accomplishments in the past as a church body, what would happen if we would not be content with what we've achieved, but rather we pressed forward and took new ground, new territory for God? Let's seek to live this this new year before us with the singular focus of Paul, who says one thing, one thing I do, forgetting that which is behind and reaching forward to that which lies ahead. I press on. Let's press on. In this journey of becoming more like. Let's pray together. Spare me, O God, from reaching a point of spiritual satisfaction, one where I think I know enough, heard enough, I've done enough, and I've just stopped the process of becoming more like Jesus. Forgive us, O God, for apathy and lethargy that weighs us down. For some of the rubbish in our life that needs to be cleaned out. For some of the hurts that we continue to nurse, grudges and wounds that cause venom to eat us alive. 
Father, I pray that You would call each one of us this morning to a fresh commitment to run the race, be focused and motivated with maximum effort, following a pattern that we might more and more become like Jesus. Lord God, nothing would thrill my heart more than than to know that this whole congregation was pursuing the goal of becoming more Christ-like. So my prayer on this final Sunday, Lord, of, of this year, is that You would give to me and to all of us, You would give us a new hunger to know You more, to read Your Word, to know Christ better as it is revealed in Your Word, that You would give us a devotion, Lord, that we would follow hard after Christ, that the Spirit of God would empower us to live a holy life, that we would not live on the fringes, we would not be satisfied to live on past accomplishments, but instead, Lord, You would continue in a dynamic and vital way to shape us into the likeness of Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that You would fill our hearts with a determination and a focus that in the year to come, we would not only succeed in this, but that our lives would be fruitful, that we would bear fruit for the glory of God, and that together as a church family, we would not be content, Lord, to to rest on our laurels of past accomplishment, to see the good work that's being done, but instead, Lord, we would be motivated by Your Spirit to take new ground for You, to work harder for You, to live for Your glory. So, God, I pray that You would be manifesting Your power and Your presence in our lives each of the days of this coming year as it stretches out. Give us more love, more power. Give us more of Jesus. And we are determined, Lord, to love You and to serve You with all of our heart, our soul, and our strength. And we make our prayer.